Burr, it's starting to get freezing cold down here in Texas, kind of like they're saying this real estate market's going to do once they start rising interest rates. Do we think that's going to happen? Well, stick tuned to this video to find out. So the question is always the same. How do I get into real estate investing if I have no money? How do I find deals? How do I negotiate deals? How do I find contractors and manage rehabs? How do I get the money to even buy these houses, to hold these houses? How does a rental work? How do you manage a rental? How do you manage tenants? How do you borrow money? How do you borrow money with almost no interest? How are all these things done and how are they done the right way? Well, I am John Barbera, and this is an investor's journey where we share with you how to invest in real estate the right way and how to get into it with no money, how to do this with real tactics that are working today in the market that we're in right now with things that we are personally doing. So welcome to the show. I'm John Barr with an investor's journey, bringing you the best tips, tricks, and strategies to help you succeed in real estate the right way. In this channel, we go over everything that's currently working on our market and some things that are not. So if you find this information useful, we would love it if you would just smash that like button and give us a share and subscribe with somebody that you know would be find this information useful as well. So without further ado, let's get into this month's market update. So let's go ahead and get started with this month's building permits issued. Well, not this month. It's actually November. They didn't get the December data out yet. And I'm assuming that has to do something with a lot of the COVID restrictions, not restrictions, but people that were actually sick during December. So a lot of this information comes from the city and they just haven't been able to process it yet. So going back to November. So there were 872 single family residential permits issued for the month of November, November and that was a 4.4% decrease year over year. Two to four units, there was 14. That's a 30% decrease year over year. Five plus units, there was 632, which is an 83.7% increase year over year. So it's very interesting to see that uh, you have the two to four units decreasing, but you have five plus apartment style commercial buildings starting to increase. Average sales price was up to $363,075, which is a 14.88% increase year over year. Median sales price for December up to $300,000 which is a 17.6% increase year over year. And it's one of those, I'm very curious, like moving into this next year, like how much longer can these massive price increases really continue? Especially if they're talking about raising interest rates, I do expect to start to see that number starting to slow down over the, I mean, or the next several months to years. Here you have the median sales prices back from the June of 2010 through December 2021. And if this is your first time tuning in prior to COVID, what you're really seeing here is our normal sales cycles that kind of go up in the summer, down in the winter, up in the summer, down in the winter. And you usually get this little blip down here and that is your usually your December closing. So a lot of contracts get uh, executed in November for December closings and you get a little bit of a price bump, which is typically what happens right around the December timeframe. But obviously this last couple of years, prices have just been on a tear upwards and we've been kind of hitting out where our normal sales cycle, it should be kind of dropping down and then going up again. But you can see we've really just kind of taken off and we've kind of stayed hovering right here around the 300,000 price points. So our median sales price, I think has gotten to like 301 as the highest price point, but it's been hovering right around 300 since basically July. Uh, so is it going to go up again with the sales cycle? We really don't know, but I'm betting with the anticipation of raising interest rates, we are going to see some additional sales pressures coming into the next year. 
Here's the year-over-year -year appreciation back from June of 2011. What I'm really tracking here is I want to see what the average trend is for the um, appreciation level. So you can kind of see coming out of the last recession, we were hitting consistent tens uh, for about three years, and then it slowly started to taper down until they started raising interest rates through 2018 and 19. You can see it kind of really coming down, but then they raised it in 2020. It dropped a little bit right as the pandemic started, and now it's just been on an absolute tear uh, averaging, I think it's in the double digits for the last like 12 months up at like 12, 14%. So real estate prices have been just screaming higher consistently month over month for several months now or well over a year. Total sales volume is at 3,529, which is a 1.3% decrease from this time last year. The average rental price is an 8.4% increase and that's up to 1685. I want to talk here a second about what are these rising interest rates and these prices and what we think is going to happen coming in the near future. So with these rental rates, it's a good thing that we want as landlords to see that rental in price really increasing because with all this massive price appreciation in the last couple of years, we are starting to see some massive tax bills come out with that because here in Texas, we don't have an income tax. We are heavily dependent on our tax basis for our property taxes. So as those, which are a percentage of the value of the properties. So as these houses have really increased in 20, 30% these last several years, that means our tax bill attached to our property is going up 20, 30% every single year. So for us as landlords, we have to be able to pass that on down to the tenants because we have to be able to maintain our properties and be able to maintain the tax basis. So if we haven't, if the market was not able to bear that and to see those price increase and they were frozen and we couldn't get that additional rent, you would start to see a lot of properties from landlords being sold off because now they're running at a negative. They can't get the cash flow from the the property to reinvest in the property to maintain the property uh, as the tenant lives in that home. So to be able to see the market bear these kind of prices is good from the landlord's perspective. I know from a tenant perspective, it kind of sucks because now your bills are going up as well, but everybody's paying higher prices all the way across the market. That also brings me into why you're now starting to see talks of these rising interest rates. Because one of the Fed's main tools to fight inflation is the interest rate barrier or the overnight rate as they call it. And they've talked in March, they're going to start raising it and they're going to say, Hey, anywhere from four to six rate hikes here in this year to really put a stop to the rising inflation. So now what does that mean to property values? And a lot of people are saying, Oh my God, the market's going to crash. Everything's going to come start coming down before, uh, or the housing market's going to start falling because these higher interest rates. We don't think that's actually going to happen. So when you look back in the history during periods of rising interest, housing prices actually have still gone up. Yes, they kind of went down a little bit, up a little bit, but over the period before they stopped tape or before they stopped rising interest rates and started bringing them down, they actually have still increased. And that happened most recently into like, I think it's a 15 to 18 when they're rising interest rates, we actually prices went up 23%. So that doesn't mean that just because they're rising interest rates, it means prices are going to immediately fall. I think it's going to slow the price appreciation down, but buying a property is not like buying a stock or a Bitcoin or anything like that. People don't need an extra Bitcoin. They don't need an extra share of Tesla or Apple or something like that, but people do need a place to live. So usually when somebody is buying a house, they're looking for a place to settle down. They're looking to expand their family, looking to put up roots. So that's a much different purchase than if that, uh, than like say a stock or something like that, that's more of an emotional, Hey, I just want to invest. I'm trying to make a quick buck. Most people buy houses for the ability to live in the property and raise a family or put down roots. And that is not going to really change. So as long as the end consumer is still 
the economy is still growing and people are still getting wages and saving and putting down payments on houses and wanting to get into extra houses because we have this millennial generation like that is right in their prime career, uh, entering their prime career earning potential in buying those properties. So as long as that continues to happen, you can still continue to see upward pressure on property. And we still have a ultra low in, uh, in months of inventory that is driving prices, I mean, prices through the roof because there's just nothing out there. To get to that balanced market, they say you need about six to six and a half months of inventory. And even then properties still rise at two to 3% a year. Now we're sitting down here at in the sub two, sub one and a half months of inventory across the entire nation, especially here in Texas. And that's putting a lot of pressure on houses to increase. So next up, we have the rental prices over the period of since January 2014. And just like the uh, the median sales price, prices follow the same kind of thing, where they kind of go up in the summer, down in the winter, up in the summer, down in the winter, up summer, down winter. And for us, what we like to do is every single one of our leases starts and ends for us up for renewal right around that March, April, May Time frame. So if we have a tenant that moves out, we can get it renovated and hope that we can catch this next highest month or highest rent possibility as people move around before school. But you can really see that this last year is still kind of followed the same thing where it kind of went up into the summer, down in the winter, and then it went up over the summer. And now it's kind of coming down and bouncing around before it is probably going to start trending back up. We didn't get as much of a swing as we had in the past, but it is going up. And I think a lot of that is due to just a lack of inventory in the, here in San Antonio. Antonio, we still have some affordable housing and we still have uh, compared to other markets here in Texas. And we still have a lot of people moving here from other states. And that is putting upward pressure on rents and housing. Employment is up just shy of 1.2 million. And that's a 5.85% increase year over year. And we gained 8,000 jobs in the previous month. And that is something we want to continue to see is an increase in employment and job creation in our market. Because there's nothing worse for a real estate market or any kind of market that when you have a declining employment base and jobs being not created or and or lost over a significant period of time. The unemployment rate is just above 4%. And you think about it, like they say full employment is in between that 3 4%. So San Antonio is almost right there at back to full employment before the pandemic even happened. Even though we were hitting low threes, uh, we're starting to get back to that full employment level. And that is a 0.23% decrease from the previous month. So we want to continue to see employment, unemployment rates dropping, getting closer to that 3% and continue to increase our employment base and getting up to that 1.2 million and continue to create jobs in our local MSA. So here you have the unemployment tracked over 20 years from November 2001 to November 2021. Now, remember, 01 was right in there, that dot-com bubble. So that's why you kind of see some high rates over there and see how it, it kind of trickled down into the uh, real estate bust of 2008. And then it trickled down. And then here, here's the kind of pandemic. And you can see where we were at. We were right at 3% or maybe a little low, below 3%. And then it shot up right as everybody got laid off. And now we just kind of start been falling like a rock. And that's what we want to continue to see is to get back to these levels. Cause you can see how long it took us to get from the peak all the way back down to the trough. We're here in the back real estate recession and lending crisis, how it shot up and it took us a long time to get back down to that 4% several, several years. So it is good to see that this, um, the government intervention, whether you agree or disagree or not, seemed to have worked and saved the economy to where it got up and the employment's going back down. What that's going to do with inflation and stuff, we really don't know. 
And if you're wanting to get a copy of all these slides, please remember that you can text MARKET to 210-794-9898 and we can get you set up on our texting community to where every time we put out a market update, you will get links and notifications of where you can go to get all of the information, all the slides and a link to the video resource. So here we have the months of inventory. So we are currently sitting at 1.43 months of inventory, which is just abysmally low. And that is a half a month increase from the previous month. So that, well, I think that's actually supposed to be a decrease, actually. That's a little typo. So that's actually supposed to be a half a month decrease from the previous month. And December 2021 was at 1.68 in itself. So keep in mind when you see that months of inventory, what that really means. Anytime you see months of inventory, that is our gauge that we use as far as are we in a buyer's market or a seller's market. Our balance market to where they really say no one really has any negotiating power over each other and you're going to get that average steady 2 to 3% appreciation year over year is around six months of inventory. And what that really means, if no new houses were put on the market and the same level of consumption of inventory continued, how many months would it take for the properties to be all consumed. So they're right there and they'd say six and a half is where that balance market is, six to six and a half. And anytime you drop below that amount, you start entering what's called a seller's market where there is more, there's not enough people selling their houses for the amount of people that want to buy. So anytime that number drops and the closer it gets to zero, the hotter the appreciation is going to be, the hotter the market's going to be, and the faster you're going to see those home prices increase and the more competition for buyers. And for us as sellers, we have a lot of negotiating power. We can get more multiple offers. You say you're paying for the title policy. I don't want to repair this. I don't want to repair that. It's sight unseen. You got to take it as it is. So anytime you see that number getting lower, just remember like that is a gauge of how hot the market is. The lower that number, the hotter the market, the more demand housing currently is. And you'll see that go, come across multiple places in the months of inventory. So just want to give you a little blip of what that actually means. So when I do the months of inventory and things that we search, we we really look at things by two ways. We look at by price range, and then we also look at it by zip code to understand where is the bulk of inventory being sold, where is the most demand, where is the lowest months of inventory, and then we break that into zip codes and we look like, okay, where is the best place we should be looking to invest or buying and holding property? So you can really see the bulk of the inventory is sold between this 200 to 350,000 uh, price ranges. Now it used to be down into the 150 to 300, but with all this price appreciation, it has really kind of pushed up. So for us, where we love to invest, if we're buying, fixing, flipping, is we're doing buying stuff that has that ARV or after repair value right in these price ranges. Because that means when we put them on the market, they are gone. They're gone fast. They're going for usually for over asking price and a higher price than what we thought we would sell for when we initially purchased them. And that is exactly why we do it in these price ranges is to have that luxury because any the longer we hold it, the more we're going to be paying in interest. So for our rental properties, we love to be buying anything that has an ARV, but purchasing down in this price range because we got good high rents and there's good appreciation with these low months of inventories that is going to continue to push prices higher in those areas. So if we can get that extra appreciation plus our cash flow, it's true win-win um, on both sides of that equation. So now the other way I check this is by zip code. So you can kind of see the top 10 zip codes for the lowest months of inventory and seeing something in 0.38 is just insane. That means there's massive amount of pressure for housing prices in that area. And you can really see what that has done over the past three years, right? Kind of before the, the pandemic started. 
eh, not about a year before the pandemic started to what they're at currently from 419 to 476. That means if you hadn't put a dollar into the house and just rented it out for what you owed and sold it and didn't have to pay a dollar for it, uh, as far as repairs go, you would have gained almost $60,000 in just appreciation alone on that purchase. So a lot of stuff for here where we like to see is we want to compare both of those uh, price ranges to zip codes. So I, this like 478. Well, yes, it's had $150,000 in appreciation last three years. I'm looking at this price point of half a million. That is above that kind of bulk 350000 or that range of 200 to 350,000. So stuff in that zip code of 261, we were, we'd be kind of a little more cautious of what we'd be doing in that zip code, or we'd want more of a cushion to deploy capital into that investment area because there's just a little more higher inventory. It could take a little bit longer to sell versus an area like 78251 and 250 that are sitting in that sweet spot of 200 to 350. And you can see what the appreciation has done in those zip codes over the past past three years of that same $60,000 for um, that house that you got up here in 78248, but you got on a much lower basis. So you got actually a much higher return uh, on a percentage basis of the capital you would have deployed to keep that. So that's really what we're starting to see because normally these low months of inventory, they would all be in that sub 350,000. But in the market we're in now, you're starting to see this ultra low inventory really wreak some havoc on these prices and the inventory in itself where you got low inventory for very high prices. So now the other side of that equation is it's, it's almost flip-flopped. So the highest months of inventory are actually properties that are sub that 250,000 uh, into the low 200 sweet spots. And you have high inventory. And and I was talking over the business partners, like, what is your theory on what's going on that, that every single one, but, or nine of the 10 highest months of inventory are in that, what would be quote unquote, the sweet spot for prices. And what we really kind of came to determine is that it, there's a lot of these areas are much, much, much older properties. You're talking early 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, 1930s into the forties, very old housing stock. So predominantly these were on like kind of South side properties, downtown, downtown properties that needed massive renovation. So it, what you were running into down there is you couldn't buy the house cheap enough to put the right capital improvements into the property that were able to get it, get it up to code, get through all the city regulations as far as the permits go and make it financeable and make a good return on it. Because you'd have to put sometimes $100,000, $150,000 in these properties and the values just weren't there. If the house is only worth $150,000, you got to put $150,000 into it. Nobody would do it. So that is our, our scenario of why we see this because there's still a lot of housing stock that needs a lot of renovations and you're just now starting to see these prices get high enough where the inventory is being renovated and put on the market. And these are areas that are still being gentrified. So people don't necessarily don't want to live down there yet, especially if they can still find a house for 230, 240 in a better area for them that doesn't have uh, the things that come along with gentrification. So it's a very specific buyer in a certain area and a lot of renovation is going on in that area and why I see these kind of zip codes or these kind of price ranges in these zip codes. But I do expect to see places like this start getting more and more pressure because they quote unquote become more affordable than other areas that have lower months inventory that are increasing at a faster rate. But not to say these are bad places to be 
investing either. So if you can buy rental properties, you just see in three years, the median sales price or the average sales price has gone up over $100,000 just in this one zip code. And that's crazy if you were able to get something for $94,000 and sell it for two hundred twelve dollars in just three years if you were able to make it uh, the numbers work out right and hold it like that. So it's one of those areas that uh, you have to be very careful when you're investing. A lot more due diligence is required. A lot higher skill level is required to investing in those areas. But you can make good rewards if you really know what you're doing. So there you have it. That concludes this month's market update. Really appreciate you turning in uh, to this episode. So if you liked it, smash that like button, share it with somebody that knows it's going to find some value from this. And we would absolutely love it if you would give us a subscribe. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next month.